Hey there, spookies, and welcome back to the Appalachian Spooky Hour podcast. I know it's been a few weeks since we had a proper episode. Last week was our Halloween campfire story special. Um, I've been under the weather. I still sound a little rough, but it's time to get back on track. What we're going to talk about today is a story that is from the area where I live. Um, This actually took place maybe a mile and a half, two miles from where I grew up and where I still live. I first heard this story in sixth grade from my um, social studies teacher, Mr. Carter. He was very adamant that we learn not just Kentucky history, but Appalachian history and very specifically the history of the area where we live. Um, This story is a sad one and a true one. Um, Of course, things get embellished over time. I tried to balance out the way I learned the story with actual fact and old factual reports done at the time. Um, This story is about a young boy named Roy Rickey and his death. So it isn't exactly known when Roy Rickey was born. They only give his birthday as 1922. We do know, however, exactly when this innocent child died. It was the 20th of August, 1932, when he was either 9 or 10 years old. Nobody is honestly sure which age he truly was, which is just sad to say the least. What happened to Roy was abhorrent, absolutely vile, and some say he still haunts the home where he was murdered. If you are squeamish about things or easily triggered by child abuse, child death, that sort of thing, um, I'm not going to get too graphic, but if those are things that really bother you or weigh on you, this maybe where you want to turn away from this episode. Um, I don't usually give out quote-unquote trigger warnings, but being that this is not just folklore but factual, I wanted to give you guys the option. So the story really starts on a warm Sunday morning when Roy Rickey was found hanging from a dwarf white oak tree outside of a clay mine near Soldier, Kentucky. A crowd had gathered around the youngster, kind of ogling him as he hung there. Assuming that this 9- to 10-year-old child had committed suicide. The situation, however, was very strange. He was hanging by a cord that had been looped around his neck, his feet less than 6 inches from the ground. He was hung at this really strange angle, because the tree was so small that his head was forced to turn sideways until it actually rested on the tree limb he was hanging from. Certainly odd circumstances for suicide, but nonetheless, the deputy and a man from the newspaper and the coroner did a preliminary examination of the body while it was still hanging from the tree. Now, it should be noted right away that Roy was small, 
we're talking almost too small for his age. He was undersized and very clearly underfed. He wore a faded shirt and denim overalls on his tiny frame, his blonde hair kind of hanging in his eyes. The coroner noted that the body had to have been there for some time as decomposition had already begun to set in. It was also noted that Roy's right eye had been gouged out and he had a large bruise on that same side of his face. There weren't any welts or marks on the child's neck, despite the cord being very tightly wrapped around it. The tree limb he hung from also didn't have any bark that had been stripped, which it should have if someone had been struggling during a hanging. In other words, this was a very curious case, and something was very clearly not right. Though, to be fair, nothing's ever quite right when a child of this age has died under any mysterious circumstances. After the body was removed from the tree, the coroner began to question the folks who'd gathered around. One of the people who was there to watch the so-called show was Roy's father. When he was questioned about the incident, he claimed he'd last seen the boy on Wednesday when he took the cow out to pasture and never returned home. He also claimed that he his wife, and their boarder, Jim Andy Day, had looked everywhere for the boy. It was Day who had actually found Roy's body hanging near the mine, so they decided to question him. If he lived with the family, then he surely had some idea as to why a boy of nine or ten would kill himself, right? Jim Andy Day more or less told the same exact story as Roy's father. He'd last seen the boy around five on Wednesday when he'd been tending to the cow. He had no idea what might have happened, so the coroner made his way to the Ricky home to speak to Roy's mother. She intimated that she believed he had committed suicide, but the coroner pressed her that he thought it was instead a murder. She then told the man that Roy was afraid of his father because his father whipped him quite often. She also claimed that Roy was odd and that he would steal things from other children. With no real answers, the coroner made his way back to the scene of the crime and reaffirmed his belief to the deputy that this was indeed a murder. There were no signs of any struggle. No marks on Roy's neck indicating he had fought against the rope. The coroner also concluded that a child of his age and size couldn't have possibly hung himself that way. Not to mention the bruises on his face. Things just weren't adding up, and it got to the point where a local physician who had examined the body after it was taken down from the tree stated later in the trial that the boy had been dead for at least three days before he was found hanging. A few local men who worked in the area had been in and around the tree in question the day the body was found, as late as two in the afternoon, and there was nothing there at the time. So it's getting fishy, right? How was he hanging in this tree... 
for three days when people were there working and nobody saw him until late in the afternoon. Like, it's not adding up, right? Eventually, Roy's parents and Jim Andy Day were arrested for suspected murder. They were put on trial where they still adamantly stuck to their story that Roy had killed himself. Then, out of nowhere, came a surprise witness to events that took place around the Ricky home. Agnes Ricky, a younger sister of Roy, was discovered when the coroner made a surprise trip to the house to take a look at things a second time. He had not been aware that Roy had another sibling besides his brother Herb, who had disappeared a few weeks before Ricky was found dead. Agnes gladly talked to the coroner, telling what she knew about the situation. First off, their mother was not their real mother, but their stepmother. She often took off with Jim Andy Day and wouldn't return until late at night. There were other men who came to the house, too, who would pay Agnes to disappear so they could be alone with her stepmother. She also revealed that Herb had taken off and hadn't been heard from in weeks, and that Jim Day often hit and slapped Roy around, likely in an effort to scare him into keeping the affair he was having with the stepmother quiet. Herb was eventually located alive and well in West Virginia, but he had no information to offer. He'd been gone a while. He didn't know what might have happened to his brother. So Agnes is kind of their only reliable witness to anything. So during the trial, a new tactic was tried in hopes of getting Jim Andy Day to confess. The following is a direct quote that was said during the questioning process of the trial. I took this directly from old documents that I went through when doing research about the story. We know little Roy Ricky was murdered, and we can prove it. We know the cord used in hanging him was that used by your father in tying an old suitcase together. We know that Roy returned to the house after taking the cow to pasture, and we found neighbors who heard his screams shortly after he returned home. You've admitted you were in the house at the time. Therefore, you know what happened to Roy when he got back home. Better tell us and save your hide, don't you think? In the end, Jim Andy Day sang like a bird. Per his account, per his account, it was Miss Ricky, Roy's stepmother, who killed him. He returned home late Wednesday evening while the family was eating dinner. He started talking about his stepmother and Jim. You see, the boy had walked in on his mother and Jim several times while they were being intimate. And he had made it known that he didn't like it. And on this particular night, implied he was going to tell their secret to his father. Miss Ricky picked up a dish and threw it at Roy, hitting him in the face, at which point he started to scream. This is what caused the gouged-out eye and the massive bruise on the side of his head. Jim was scared, and after Roy fell to the floor, he picked up the boy and held him in his arms. Miss Ricky then choked the boy to death while he was being held by Jim Andy Day. Once the boy was dead, 
the two started to panic. They wrapped Roy in a blanket and tucked him into a corner of the room that Jim was renting in the house. A couple of days later, they were actually holding a prayer meeting, so having church in the house. So Miss Ricky panicked again, afraid that the body would be smelled as it was left to rot in the bedroom. She demanded that Jim take him down to the mine so she could air out the house and clean things up. They made up their elaborate story, hung Roy from the tree, and tried to play it off as though the boy had killed himself. Ultimately, the court found the stepmother, Eliza Rickey, guilty of murder. She was sentenced to life in prison. Jim Day took a plea deal, pleading guilty in order to get a life sentence instead of the death penalty. Though, in the end, a little bit of karma did come around. Life in prison did not fare well for Eliza, who slowly went mad. She ended up in Eastern State Mental Hospital, where she routinely pulled out her own hair and even at one point broke a mirror in an attempt to kill herself. So, when I first heard this story when I was younger, it was a little different, but more or less the same. Um, The version I always heard was that they hung young Roy. Um, well, initially they hid his body in the attic, not a bedroom. They then tried to stage the suicide by hanging him from a tree in the side yard of the house. Decided, no, that wouldn't really work out. And then moved him down to the clay mine where they hid the body for a day and then staged the hanging as we know it. Um, I'm really not sure whatever happened to Roy's father. I never dug too deep. These human beings were all terrible. They were all crappy people. You know, yeah, the stepmom was having an affair and all this and that, but the dad, you know, would regularly beat his children and clearly didn't care about them, so he can go straight to hell right along with Jim, Andy, Day, and Eliza. Um, the house where this happened is still standing. Um... Like I said, it's not too far from my own home. Um, I've never been inside. Growing up, I always heard it was haunted. You know, that young Roy Ricky can't rest because of what was done to him and the the misjustice of trying to make it come off like he killed himself. My dad knew the guy who lived there at one point. I'm not sure if he still lives there. And he said there was nothing unusual about the house, but... You know, living in a place like that, it would be something I feel like I would think about a lot. Yeah, maybe the house isn't haunted. There's nothing unusual going on. But wouldn't you always be thinking, like, these people killed a child in this house and then hid his body for days. And it always blew my mind when I was younger that the only reason that Ricky was perhaps found or at least found so quickly and justice was served, was because they were hosting church in the house where they committed a murder and were hiding the body. And it always bothered me, too, that, you know, this was his stepmom. I don't really know what happened to his mother. I I want to say she maybe died in childbirth. Don't hold me to that. She might have just left or something. I really don't know, but... I'm like, you know, this woman didn't want to love these children. 
and she clearly didn't want to love her husband either. So the whole situation was just so horrible. Um, Roy is buried in a nearby cemetery. I have not been in person to his grave. Um, I've always meant to go and eventually I think that I will because I think every now and then we need to visit the graves of these people who exist in lore but are slowly being forgotten. I'm pretty sure they don't talk about this in school anymore like they did when I was a kid. I was in, I think, sixth grade when we learned about Roy. And if you've ever listened to the very first episode of this podcast, the story of Stella Kinney, I learned that story in the same class that also happened pretty near to where I live. It's happened in my community, in my county. But what's really horrible is there are so many stories like this one that exist not just in Appalachia, but in lots of small rural places, especially ones that were more isolated. And a lot of times we never found out what happened to kids like Roy who went missing. And if they hadn't had church in their house, he may have just been another statistic that never got solved. And I'm glad that it did. And I'm glad that justice was served and that they got what they deserved for what they did to him. He was a kid. He was not just a kid. He was a kid who was being mistreated, underfed, not cared for. And it breaks my heart to imagine he died, probably feeling very unloved. And man, you know, I know the house isn't haunted, that the people that live there, it's just their home. But I don't think I could live with that. Could you guys? Like, let me know. Um, drop a comment somewhere or send me an email. Um, I would just love to know your thoughts on living in a house where something heinous like this happened. Yes, it was solved. You know, it was resolved. I don't know. It just blows my mind a little bit. And I've been thinking about this in sixth grade, guys. Just trying to fathom living my day-to-day life in that house. You know, I see it every day. I drive past it. And it just blows my mind. Like, I always joke about wanting to live in a murder house. But at the end of the day, I think it would really just depend on the murder. Um, This one is one I couldn't reconcile with. He was just a kid. Nobody even knew his birthday. Like, it's just, it's sad. And I wanted to share his story with you guys because I knew if anybody could appreciate it, it would be my fellow Spookies. So, yes, this is my episode return from my extended illness. Um, We have a couple more episodes left to go before the end of the season. Um, We're going to end around the 1st of December. We'll come back for a Christmas special and then be out until after the new year to give ourselves a little bit of a break. But for now... There's one last thing to say. Don't go outside alone after dark.